good morning, good afternoon, good evening, North Stream Iterator. This is Eagle Eyes on Tech. I am Eagle Falcon. Techtober continues. I was originally against the name, but you know what? There, there is just way too much tech news. We will get to the Google announcements and the various other smaller but still notable tech announcements later on. But first, as always, I have to bring up some kind of security vulnerability. And uh, not going to lie, this one kind of hits a bit close to home, mainly because I own this phone. Samsung has confirmed that if you use a finger, or I'm sorry, if you use a screen protector on the Galaxy S10 or the Galaxy Note 10, Anything that uses the quote-unquote ultrasonic fingerprint reader, it will, in fact, unlock the phone with literally any fingerprint. I actually meant to test this today, too, when I was with family, and uh, I it completely slipped my mind. But are, are you seriously... Just just any fingerprint. Why even bother then? The frickin' face unlock feature will work on even a still image of the person's face. The fingerprint reader opens up to any kind of fingerprint as long as if you're using no no screen protector. And I want to I want to be clear of this. This flaw only exists if you have a screen protector on. Now, I think, in my case, because I scanned my fingerprint when I had no screen protector, I think in the case of my phone, it is fine. That being said, no, I'm not letting you have my phone. Are you mad? We're not doing that. No. No. In the grand scheme of things, why? Just just why? Why does this sort of stuff happen? Now, Lucky in the chat actually brings a good point. Do they test this stuff before they release it? I think they did in this case. Now, the funny thing is that, and some of you are going to disagree with this, but I get my screen protectors... From Zags. Zags used to be a very reliable screen protector company. Lately, they've been making some very questionable products with some outrageous claims. A- and I admit, it- it's been sketch. But I did... No- One thing that was of note, when I got my first screen protector on it, they said... They have nothing for this phone, and they don't think they're ever going to have anything for this phone. And then eventually they did get me one. That was their quote-unquote hybrid glass, which is a fun way to say plastic. It's a plastic screen protector. Don't don't pretend it's something else. But it's okay, though, because Samsung promises there's there's going to be a fix. Yeah, I know a fix too. You know what the fix is? Using a password. In fact, actually, probably after I'm done recording this podcast, what I'm going to do, disable my fingerprint reader, enable a crazy long password, but fortunately with the S10, it has a feature where under certain conditions, it'll just leave itself unlocked. One of those conditions... If you have a if you have a smartwatch like I do, is being within range of the smartwatch. So that might be a thought. I'd have to actually first test to see what the range of my watch is. But yeah, there you go. If you're an S10 owner or a Note 10 owner, um, yeah, might want to take off your screen protector when scanning your fingerprint. 
because if my theory is correct as to why this is happening, they haven't gone into detail about it. I'm willing to bet that it can't detect any of your ridges through the screen protector. So it's saving a blank fingerprint. At least it's not exploding. Yes. There is that. Samsung did not make yet another exploding phone. I think it's going to be a long time before we see any phone have an exploding battery. There are just far too many companies now making phones that just going, you know what we don't want to be? We don't want to be the Note 7. Because there's one thing people don't want to be. They don't want to be associated with explosions like the Note 7. That's just not a good time. Let's shift gears drastically. There have been a metric ton of companies that have been pulling out of Facebook's Libra cryptocurrency organization. To get you briefly up to speed, I'm not going to lie. I haven't been paying too close into the story because I've been laughing at it since day freaking one. Facebook is trying to make a cryptocurrency. What is a cryptocurrency? A cryptocurrency is a digital kind of, of currency. And usually the first thing that comes to mind is Bitcoin, which is easily the world's biggest cryptocurrency. Most cryptocurrency can be mined. And that starts going down a very special rabbit hole that we're not going to go down today. Behind the scenes, there have been quite a few companies, including PayPal, who have bailed out of backing Facebook's Libra cryptocurrency. Well, Booking.com is the next big company to drop out. Now, keep in mind, these are the two big ones. MasterCard and Visa have also dropped out, and that kind of happened very silently. Like, kind of like that the those like that one couple you you know that were pretty active at the party, and then uh, slightly after dinner they just kind of slipped out for a smoke break. At least that's what people assumed, and they never saw them again for the rest of the party. That's kind of how MasterCard and Visa were. They just kind of, as well as several other banks. Right now, there are only 21 of the original 28 backers of the cryptocurrency. To which Facebook could only naturally reply. What do they reply with? Whatever, we don't need you. We got like 180 companies that that are willing to join Libra. Yeah, yeah, okay, buddy. You tell yourself that. Now they didn't say it in the exact same sort of tone I just did, but they might as well have. Now let's. I want one thing to be clear here. No. Libra is not available yet. If you see any ads to buy Libra currency, it is a scam. When Libra is out, you also should not buy any Libra currency. It is a scam. Repeat it with me. Do not invest in... Frick, anything Facebook, really. Now make sure you take notes, because don't trust Facebook will be on the test. Remember that. That's what I should do. I should just administer a life test. Question one, true or false? Should I trust Facebook? Wait, that's not how that works. Okay, maybe it's best I don't write a test. Is Libra, yeah, is Libra real? Not yet. 
Should you buy Libra? No. Should I buy Libra when it's real? No. Should I buy Libra now? No! No! Remember a while back how there was a massive Yahoo email database breach? Well, um... Yeah, the settlement has officially been uh, settled. And in fact, if you got an email regarding that, it is in fact legit. But the main reason I'm covering this is the amount. Reports from CNET and other sources are saying the payout amount of the settlement is $358 or more. Like, honestly, how these class action suits all end up being and how frickin' any sort of settlement ends up being? That's a staggering amount of money. That's like 10,000% more than I think anyone's gonna ever see out of Equifax, like Reiko in the chat just said. Yeah, I'm willing to bet you're probably only going to see about $3.58 out of Equifax. Yahoo will give you a hundred times that. <laughs> Just remember that for the next time that you want to uh, trust your data with so Actually, you know what? Just, 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 just don't. Just don't trust anyone. Don't, don't, don't trust Equifax. Don't trust Yahoo. And, um, you know, while we're at it, just, uh, I wouldn't say don't trust Blizzard, but you absolutely should just grab a lawn chair and just enjoy the show that is Blizzard stumbling over itself. What about Facebook? Should we trust Facebook? Hmm. Let me think about that. No! (laughs) No! Absolutely should not trust Facebook. Uh, so I talked, uh, I was about to say at length about Blizzard, but I've talked to death. The issue that is Facebook doing everything wrong when it, when it comes to handling an esports player performing a political stunt on their own Hearthstone channel, which, by the way, was a massive success. There's no other way to look at it. So, earlier this week, specifically on October 16th, there was supposed to be a huge Overwatch event in New York City. To celebrate the launch of Overwatch on the Nintendo Switch. Well, uh, just a couple days before then, um, rumors started spreading that protests and the dreaded May cosplayers were going to converge upon New York City to crash said event to bring the uh, Hong Kong event even more in the face of everyone than it already is. Like, okay, I'm in favor of of not having Hong Kong under tyranny, but this might start being excessive. I say might, though. Yeah, people in the chat are commenting about, wait, May cosplayers? No joke, May is very quickly becoming an icon of the Hong Kong resistance because she is an Overwatch player whose origins are Chinese. Because that was the whole thing with Overwatch. They wanted the entire cast of Overwatch to be as globally diverse as possible. May is Chinese. Diva is is Korean. Soldier 76 is 
Um, actually, I'm not sure about Soldier 76. People are saying he's American. I believe that. Uh, I'm now blanking. Tracer is, fr- is from the UK. Winston is from the moon. You, you get the point. They're trying to be as literally diverse as possible. If you actually asked, if you actually challenged me to name all the Overwatch characters, I would probably stumble on the most modern ones. Not going to lie. But yeah, so that event was planned and Blizzard canceled it. For fear of it being crashed by the protests. But here's the best part. Blizzard didn't announce it. Nintendo did. Blizzard literally canceled it, but they let Nintendo be the first to announce that the event was canceled. And Nintendo did not hesitate to say... Yeah, we're not doing that event. It was Blizzard's choice. Their fault, not ours. And then, yeah, Blizzard had to then admit after that, yeah, we canceled it. Smooth. Like freaking butter. By the way, in other minor updates that I'm not going to really talk about at length... Uh, Blizzard did, in fact, end up five days later suspending the U.S. college team that, uh, that held up a sign during their match in Hearthstone saying, Free Hong Kong Boycott Blizz. They end up seeing the same six-month suspension that Blitzchung is officially seeing. That is now official. That wasn't just bad wording. And, uh, yes, Blizzard did, in fact, receive a letter from Congress urging them to rethink their values. And probably the most notable point about that letter, it was signed by both Democrats and Republicans. With how divisive the the American political world is, we can all unite together. In scolding Blizzard. (laughs) Oh, there is something very, very amusing about that. So yeah, Blizzard was originally kind of hoping that this whole thing would kind of die down before BlitzCon in two weeks. Yeah, I don't think it is. I'm not going to say the Boycott Blizz movement is growing stronger. But it is definitely staying strong. And trying to coward out and having Nintendo announce the closure of the event and not themselves. Oof. Clumsy, clumsy. Almost as clumsy as uh, Switch running on, or I'm sorry, as Overwatch running on the Switch in the first place. You know, in hindsight, I'm surprised I didn't call it. I should have called it. This should have been the most obvious thing in the universe. And I guess the only reason I didn't call it was because I haven't actually played Overwatch or monitored how much it tortures my gear in a long, long time. But the Switch does not have a high-end processor. It's a 2 gigahertz quad-core ARM chip with the equivalent of a GT730 on it-ish. Don't quote me on Don't take that to the bank. But that's like about where the Switch processor is. And even though... The Switch operating system makes much more efficient work of that chip than, say, a PC with the same specs. 
it's just not enough to run Overwatch at 720p. Desyncs, frame drops. And on top of that, the whole core concept of playing Overwatch on the go is completely moot when it's a game that's always online on a device with only Wi-Fi. Smooth. Buttery smooth. Oh, we're going to take a quick break here when we come back. Let's get all of the Google News out of the way. The Pixel 4. What is it? The Pixel Book Go? Chromebook Go? Pixel Book Go. Yeah, but already the fact I couldn't even remember the name of the laptop, that should tell you a little something. One last note about Blizzard before we move off that for hopefully ever. Ah, who am I kidding? We're going to be talking about it when BlitzCon's around. Is, um, the stock price has not moved much. There's a slight dip of about a po- about two points around the time Blitzchung was banned. And then it slowly went back up. But it's pretty much just been between 55 and 52 points. So it's not really hurting at all from all this. It's just public perception has been hurting by it. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Let's talk pixels. The Pixel 4 phone has a lot of pixels. All right, we're done. (sighs) I'm kidding. The Pixel 4 is now an official phone. And it has, do we really have to go over the features? We already know everything it has. Because it's been the worst kept secret in the history of secrets. So yeah, um, things of note. Decent dual cameras. A giant iPhone ripping notch to hold said dual cameras. 90 hertz display. And everything else is, well, pretty cool, I guess. The top forehead of the phone does house proximity sensors and radar for better face scanning technology. And in fact, this thing can do face unlock faster than Apple's iPhone. Oof. I mean, that being said, though, it's a more expensive phone than the iPhone. The iPhone 11 is sitting at $700, and this sucker sits at $800 for the starting price. So just on that fact alone it's kind of a yeah now that being said this is an oled screen and it's going to be a better screen than what apple has on theirs since on the iphone 11 it's an lcd and it's going to be a 60 hertz lcd so you gotta ask yourself if it's worth it or not and in the end only you can decide. I mean, other than that, honestly, the uh, the Pixel 4 does uh, not really impress me. Oh, there is one other thing, though. This actually should have been in my little block of security vulnerabilities, but uh, it didn't make sense up there. The Pixel 4's face unlock feature... It works on unconscious. <laughs> it works on anyone who's sleeping. Well, it's not as bad as the Samsung one because there's no depth sensor. It'll just take a picture. 
the Pixel 4s will work on someone if they're sleeping. So, if you want a nightmare scenario, let's pretend you got a Pixel 4. And and you're a little son or daughter. Let's pretend you have one for a second if you don't. Got up early one morning and wanted to go play them Fortnites on your phone. But they want to look pretty. Well, all they had to do when buying, not the loot boxes, but whatever, they just have to hold it up to your phone while you're sleeping. They just have to hold their phone up to your face while you sleep. And, oh, there we go. Authorized. There you go. Just just thousands of dollars of in-game currency bought. Yay! Oh. I don't know what else to tell you. Google says they are, in fact, going to... Uh, going to be working on fixing this, but in the meantime, it's just like, are you kidding me, Google? You're Google! You're supposed to think of these things! So... One other kind of downside to the Pixel 4 is that apparently, and I actually didn't know this because this was kind of a minor detail to me, the Pixel 3 had the ability for you to store your photos in, quote, the cloud for free. But the Pixel 4 will not come with free full resolution storage. If you want that, you're still got to pay for the privilege to use the cloud. Or you could be a complete deranged tech lunatic like me and build your own cloud with blackjack. Just blackjack, though. I mean, to me, that's just the to me that's just the easy solution. But that's also because I'm a lunatic who likes working with servers. I'm just a weirdo. The Pixel Four is also going to feature a recorder app built into the phone that can transcribe speech without connecting to the cloud. Now, you might be wondering, did I include all of these stories just so I could say the cloud in fun, weird ways into the mic? The answer is no. I actually just thought about that on, on off the top of my head. But isn't it also kind of amusing how talking about hardware, about talking about hardware you physically hold in your hand, how many times I can inject the cloud into it? We have an astonishing amount of technology in the palm of our hands, he says, holding an open palm with nothing in it. And it's just shocking how much of this is just like, did I want an internet connection to do this, this stuff on the clouds? And it's gotten to the point where the ability to do text-to-speech, I mean speech-to-text, without an internet connection is once again a marvel feature despite the fact that we had software that could do this granted on desktops back in 2004 now that being said uh so- some tech youtuber with more uh free time than i do uh please Compare the Pixel 4's transcribe feature with Dragon Dictate from 2004. I would love to see that comparison. Hint, hint, wink, wink. Google also released a bunch of Nest devices, including ones that include that same sort of ultra 
I almost said it wrong. That sort of ultrasound sensing that the Pixel 4 does. So that your alarm clock, for example, can start making less noise the closer you get to it. Thus creating our lifelong dream. The alarm clock to successfully shut up when I hit it with a pillow. What? I'm just... You know that's the first thing that someone's going to test. If I throw a pillow at it, will it very quickly silence as the pillow comes hurtling toward it? I could not be the only one asking this question. Am I? Am I? I think I actually might be. I'm not sure how that makes me feel. All right, there were a couple of other things that were that were talked about. Uh, one of the other ones, I'm actually going to quickly note this first. Um, Google Stadia, their cloud gaming platform, does now officially have a release date. It's November 19th. So now you too can go save no money for a worse gaming experience after being promised the moon. Remember that, because Google has promised us the ability to transcend time and space with negative latency. To be able to just hook up a Chromecast to my my work monitor or heck fire up Chrome on our works iPad that's also a punch clock and is pretty much only a punch clock to then play AAA titles on our punch clock and other such ludicrous things that you still have to pay full price for games on and Considering that Google has, in fact, a pretty nasty history of the moment something doesn't work out well of just killing it, there being a decent chance that um, one day the hundreds of dollars you're going to spend on digital games is just going to poof, be gone forever. Now, that being said... uh, As someone in the chat just asked, no, we do not have a release date for what the negative latency feature is going to be. Because I actually do want to see will I perform better on Google Stadia than I will on my desktop. That actually would be a nice experiment. Somehow split the connection off a controller. Play the game on Stadia and on a local gaming rig at the same time. Measuring the exact same inputs. And see which one you do better in. Hey tech YouTubers with more time than I do. Are you listening? They're not listening by the way. There's no way. So there you go. Stadia is coming. Beware. Also the, the Pixel Book Go exists. Beware. Now, no one's gotten their hands on this laptop yet, but basically this is a 13-inch MacBook clone that comes in three different colors that no one asked for with a rubber-ribbed back insert for for her. You know know what? Write your own jokes. For crying out loud, they, they write themselves. And the end, you have decent speakers, decent specs, with a decent keyboard, with a decent screen, with a decent trackpad, and it's all ruined because it's a Chromebook! No matter how you look at it, it's a $650 Chromebook! You know what the amazing thing about Chromebooks is? The the 
the performance on them is literally negligible. All you need is the CPU and GPU power to run Chrome. Which, by the way, takes nothing. Go to a used computer lease lot. I know my guys locally out here have, and I kid you not, over 700 Chromebooks they are trying to get rid of for $50 a pop. And guess what? They all perform as well as the Pixelbook Go. Why? Because the web browser, almost everything is done on the server side. All you got to do, again, is have the specs to run Chrome. That's it. So what specs does this sucker have? Well, I'm glad you didn't ask because I'm telling you anyway. We've got two cameras. It is a 13.3-inch display. It starts with a Core M3 processor, 8 gigs of RAM, 64 gigabytes of onboard storage, and no information about the GPU. Then you have a Core i5, a Core i5 with more RAM, 16 gig to be exact, and then a Core i7 with 16 gigs of RAM and a 4K Ultra HD molecular display. That top-end model is $1,400, but you know what the problem is? It's a Chromebook! (laughs) Have I stressed this enough yet? It's a Chromebook. All right, so let's let's test your knowledge and see what you've learned. Why is the Pixelbook Go not worth the over $600 price tag that it's asking? Anyone? Bueller? Bueller. Yeah, there there you go. It's a Chromebook. Now it is advertising up to 12 hours of battery life. That's not bad. The other thing it's not noticing, I mean, I already mentioned it's not saying what the GPU is. It's not saying what generation processor it's using either. I'm sorry, I don't mean to sound like I'm just ripping on a- on Apple, on Google here, because they went and are trying to push their own operating system. I'm doing this because it's a bad idea. It's $600, it's over $600 for a laptop that only has a web browser. Period. That being said, though, it is a magnesium chassis. So at least for this overpriced machine, you are getting a metal laptop. Oh, the backlit keyboard, too. Okay. Never mind. That's now worth it. No. It's still not. The thing that, although, realistically, though, we only go from 8 to 16 gigabytes of RAM. I've seen how much RAM Chrome can hunger for. You need at least 10 times this. All right, we're done ripping on Google. Let's instead talk about Motorola, who, in fact have sent out event invites for the reveal of the Razer. What is the Razer, you might ask? Well, 
thousands of years ago when when phones flipped open and had buttons on them. There was a phone called the Motorola Razor, and it was the most stylish of all the phones at the time that were premium and the best. And they were known as flip phones. Motorola has been rumored, in fact, we reported on it here a couple of times, to be making a version of the old Razor that would be a folding smartphone. So the entire device would fold shut, but when folded open, you would have one five or six inch screen and it would be basically look like the old school razor, but be a normal smartphone on the inside. The event is scheduled for November 13th. And we're going to see, does it exist? How good is it? And most importantly, How long will it take jerry-rig everything to destroy the phone? I mean, how much is it going to cost? Well, we'll find out. It's confirmed. It's going to be happening. And everyone's saying that it is going to look pretty much exactly like the renders we've seen. With a big fat chin on the bottom and everything. But I'm just... If the original rumors, though, are say, are correct, that this thing is going to be $1,500, I'm sorry, it's dead to me. There's no way a phone like that is going to be worth it. Even as, as a novelty. All right, let's shift gears drastically. The NVIDIA GeForce Now service is available to download on Android devices. Now you too can download GeForce Now and be able to cloud game on the go and experience the future of gaming in South Korea. Yes, you too can take out your Android phone now and just download the GeForce Now app to be able to play Countless AAA glorious PC gaming grade games on the go on your phone in South Korea. Yeah, I mean, it's getting closer. For for those who want to do that thing. Yay. All right, real quick in the chat. Who remembers that GeForce Now was even going to be a thing? I'll be real honest, I didn't. I completely forgot that GeForce Now was going to be a thing. And you know what's even funnier about this? About the fact that I forgot GeForce Now was going to be a thing? When it was originally announced... NVIDIA was talking about the NVIDIA grid cards, which are server GPUs that are geared specifically for gaming, but specifically to have multiple GPUs on one card. And the sole reason they developed that card was for GeForce Now. And I personally was looking at used versions of this card for my video editing server. Honestly, it's still a compelling uh, reason to pick it up because I do render a lot of videos at once and some of those cards are going for like 80 bucks. It's actually not bad. Four GPUs on one card, 80 bucks. More research is still necessary. But yeah, no one in the chat. 
All right, let's shift gears again very quickly. We might have our next big tech announcement. Ryzen Threadripper third generation. The launch dates have been leaked. The announcement is rumored, according to these leaks, to be on November 5th. And then be available on November 19th for all models except the top tier Threadripper 3990X. What's even better is, according to this leak, we're not even going to know the specs of the legendary 3990X until January 2020. Man, if only we could look into the future and figure out what kind of tech event happens in January 2020 to figure out when we'd hear more exactly. Can anyone else figure this out? It's CES, by the way. They're going to give us all the information about their highest-end Threadripper at CES. If you want me to speculate on it, I will. It's going to be a 64-core processor. It's going to be a monster. And a giant power suck. It is going to be... The hottest chip ever made by AMD, rocking 64 cores, more than likely clocking in over 3.5 gigahertz. It's probably going to draw over 250 watts on its own. It is going to be a hilarious amount of overkill and completely unnecessary for anyone. And yes, of course I want one. Who wouldn't? Oh my Lord, 64 cores. Granted, I just made all of that up. I am just assuming based on what I've heard so far and the fact that the AMD server processors have made a 64-core chip. But there you go. November 5th. We're going to hear more. Oh, I already talked about that event. I'm now going through, like, all the things I had set aside. About the Threadripper. And actually, I'm realizing now, about about it to talk about them, that first off, one was redundant. Because I just said everything that article said. And you know what my personal favorite is? This headline from Tom's Hardware. The Ryzen 9 3950X outperforms the Threadripper 2950X. Actually, wait, no, I thought it was two different Threadrippers. Never mind. That actually is important to know. The 3950X, if you don't know, is the highest-end Ryzen chip. And that is going to be a 16-core Processor. The Threadripper 2950X, if I remember right, is also a 16-core Threadripper part. He says quickly getting all the specs and waiting for that video to autoplay against his will. Yep, it is also a 16-core part at 180 watts. So yeah, in fact, oddly enough, before I went live, someone in my Discord actually even asked, hey, this, the last gen Ryzen part for that same tier is half the price of the modern one. Is that really worth it? Is it really worth it to go for the, for the newer one if it costs twice as much? In most cases, yes. Because that's how big of an efficiency jump 
second gen to third gen is? Or is it first gen to second gen? It's big. Really big. We're going to take a break here when we come back. The weird story of the day and also rumors that Intel has thrown in the towel on the nanometer contest. Welcome back, Eagle Eyes on Tech. I'm Eagle Falcon. Yes! Despite the fact that Intel is making 10 nanometer parts, making 10 nanometer CPUs for mobile, for the desktop side of things, it could very well be scrapped. This leaked chart... that I believe actually came from one of the German branches of Intel. I'm not entirely certain what language this is. Chrome did not automatically pick up on it. It looks pretty German, but I admit I am not an expert. The leak chart suggests that we will be seeing comic comic Comet Lake S parts coming out soon. These are going to be 14 nanometer parts, still based on the Skylake architecture. Followed by Rocket Lake, also 14 nanometers, and also based on Skylake, with a huge GPU boost in 2021. With Tiger Lake and Alder Lake, which were going to be the 10 nanometer parts being absolutely scrapped, replaced with codename Meteor Lake in 2022, which is going to be a 7 nanometer part. So Intel thinks, and I admit, I am not an expert on nanometers. On nanometer, on nano anything. I'm not an expert on CPU architectures. I am not an expert on engineering. I am not even an expert on nanomachines, son. But we're just going to go from 14 to 7. Because 10's too hard and 7 will be easier. I don't believe you. Like, am I just crazy? If Intel can't even break 10 nanometers, why is 7 going to be easier? Am I just crazy? Maybe I am. We will see. Razer is introducing the first optical laptop keyboard. So the way this works is that under each keycap, there will be a laser. And as you press down on the key, it'll interrupt the laser and detect a keystroke. Why? Razer is claiming this will provide a mechanical feel, including that wonderful click. Everyone knows that click. When you take a mechanical keyboard and hit a button. Oh, that's a good sound. Provide that sort of feel, but on a laptop.
Is it going to help durability? I don't know. Is it going to provide better inputs? I don't know. Is this a good idea? I don't know. Will I get one to test it? No. The closest I'm going to get to testing one of these things is going to Best Buy and seeing if they have one for me to mess with. And then say neat and then leave. Because I am cheap. Dune Pro is planning to make a computer case for those of us here in the PC uh, making space to use in order to put a PC inside a case that looks exactly like the new Mac Pro. I have a question. How long until Apple sues? Like, okay, look. Let's be real for a second. I have no problem with a computer that looks like a cheese grater. I have no problem with saying, hey, the entire front is ventilation, the entire back is ventilation, let's load up some fans and have some fun. All right? Fine by me. But have you seen what it takes to get inside this thing? You have to lift the entire shell off. I'm sorry, but almost every other high-end case does it better. My Z800 does it better. Lift handle up. Done. Actually, if I could find a way to rig the power supply in this Z800 to a normal standard motherboard, I totally would. I love this case. But I know there's almost no way for me to get a normal computer in there, which feels bad. Though, even though you couldn't really build a very PC PC in this thing, if you knew some Apple friends... I would totally build a computer in this. And then I would make sure to put as many RGB fans and colored LED strips around the front of this cheese grater. So the moment you hit the on button, it just shined in their obnoxious faces as they realized you just defiled their most sacred icon. Speaking of Apple, rumors are saying there is going to be an Apple iPhone SE 2, and it could, in fact, start at $400. You know what I love about this story? You know what it's based on? This guy named Ming-Chi. He predicts this will happen. Honestly, it probably could. It would not surprise me at all if Apple made an even more budget phone, brought back the iPhone 5 design just to sell it at 400 bucks, and people would buy it because that is a very cheap cost to entry into the iOS ecosystem. Like, no joke. Apple adapters may start at four hundred dollars. Yeah, there, there we go. Let, let's also throw let's throw that in there. Why not? Why not? That was by the chat, by the way. That was not an official headline. Let's switch. Let's shift gears. Disney has tweeted out basically their entire lineup for what's going to be coming out on Disney Plus. 
Now, if you missed the tweet, like me, you may have suffered from a lethal dose of nostalgia. Please contact your doctor if you have suffered a lethal dose of nostalgia, as literally every single freaking animated Disney movie that you ever saw as a kid was more than likely announced for Disney+. Plus. As well as a good chunk of Marvel and Star Wars. There is a good chance, if you have kids, that you'll never, ever know peace and quiet until you get Disney+. Plus Because they will never let you hear the end of it. Oh boy. Well, I wish them all the luck in the world with that. Which now brings us to the last Burb story. The last story of the day. The I It's normally the weirdest story of the day, but we didn't really have all that many weird ones. This one's just cool. And this is the press announcement of the analog pocket. Or is it analog? And I'm supposed to ignore the fact that it ends with U-E. Analog has introduced the analog pocket, which is a premium Game Boy that is, in fact, compatible with your Game Boy cartridges. And, in fact, has it in such a way... That from the back, you see more of the Game Boy cartridge than you would on a normal Game Boy. Now, this device is going to be not cheap. It is, it is going to be $200. But it does feature... an RGB mod already built in so that your retro Game Boy Pocket games and Game Boy games and Game Boy Color games will be displayed on a super crisp, high refresh rate OLED screen with bright and vibrant colors without any of the problems, supposedly, Of, well, without any of the problems of an emulator. Now, I'm not going to lie. I've never heard of this this company. But I know that mods of retro consoles to support RGB or HDMI have existed. And I actually have no idea what... it took to go and do that sort of thing or how to even go about it. But the fact that there's a demand for this is in itself kind of impressive in its own weird sort of way. And with that, I want to say thank you for listening to this podcast. If you have any questions for me, feel free to email me at eaglefalcontech at gmail.com. And also make sure to check out our daily podcast, The Early Burb Briefing, which you can find at pretty much every single podcast outlet there is. That is a daily podcast. As also, check out my Twitch page at twitch.tv slash eaglefalcon. Take care and have a good day.
But what I want to know is when are they going to make make one for the NES? Oh, wait, they did. Well, how much is it to pick one of these up? They're not selling it anymore. Why? It's all I wanted in this world and it's gone before I knew it existed.